morning, everybody. Good to see you again. Um, my name is Alvin. For all of you here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor of the church, and it's a it's a great church to pastor. Uh, amazing people in this community. I'm sure you guys got a chance to meet some of them already, and it just gets better and better the more people you meet. So hope you feel at home. Uh, we are coming out of a great, great weekend. Two things happened. Um, Pep Talk, which is our youth ministry for our teens, had a great night last night, had a worship night, um, had a discussion panel. I got to be on it and uh, had kind of a fire round of questions that were on the kids or the teens, I should say, their minds. And it was, yeah, it's never a dull moment. Uh, so they didn't, they didn't hold back. And it was awesome. Glad I got to spend time with them and then the worship team and everyone who serves on Pep Talk and just all the work that was put in to, to serve the teens and to give them a great time. I want to honor uh, not only our teens but our Pep Talk workers for, for giving back and, and sowing into these young people's lives. Um, and then on top of that, we had at the same time, they were on the third floor, and then down here we had our Freedom Conference, which was in... It was amazing. I was there and got to see God move in such a powerful way and seeing them really go through the whole process of being ministered to and receiving freedom. And by the end, they were praying and, and prophesying and, and, and really blessing other people as they were, even though they were the students, uh, we had them minister to the workers and to see them bless people's lives was just such a cool thing. And Nashville Life, our, our entire 10 years, we've always offered a, a freedom ministry. We've called it different things over the years, but it's such an important process, I believe, in a, in a believer's life to really go through uh, personal ministry of dealing with things from the past, different things that are hindering you from, from experiencing everything that God has in mind for your life. So if you haven't yet, Freedom is offered as a life group. Um, it's for men and for women. So, so if you are open, I would love for the fall semester for you to consider one of our Freedom life groups so you can, uh, yeah, go through this journey that, that we want everyone to go through at Nash for Life. So stay tuned for the fall semester and look out for Freedom uh, because it ends with the big conference at the end of the, of the, of the semester. And we just had that last weekend, or uh, yesterday, I should say. It was great. So thanks to Josh Wright, who led, and Sam Gentry, and uh, Dia, and the prayer team. Every single person got personal ministry from our prayer team leaders, and they gave them their time the whole weekend. We had a worship team there. It was just great. I'm really proud of Nashville Life. I just love seeing the, the vision of Nashville Life really coming to fruition, which is following Jesus and building leaders. I love seeing people stepping out and, and, and allowing God to use them to bless other people's lives. And that's what happened this weekend. And it makes me happy. So uh, let's keep going into the message for today. Uh, before we go into it, let's do our, our pre-word declaration. And uh, repeat these words after me so we can prepare to receive from God. Uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. So the theme for 2022, if you're new, I want to catch you up briefly. 
It's withstanding the wind. And if you want to know where we got that, it was inspired by a passage in Matthew 3, verse 12. Some of you guys might know it by heart by now. But, uh, but it's John the Baptist who's describing Jesus, and he's talking about how Jesus' ministry is going to work. And he says his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And this is a metaphor that John is using and saying the same way that a harvester harvests wheat, this is how Jesus is harvesting his people, his, his church. And the harvester uses a process called winnowing where you allow wind to blow through the harvest, not to damage the harvest, but to get rid of kind of the, the riffraff uh, there's there's two elements of wheat. There's the chaff, that's not what we eat, and then there's the wheat. And wind can blow away the chaff because it's really light, but wheat, the part that is the true harvest, it has a weight built into it, and it can withstand the wind that blows. It feels the wind. It's opposed by the wind. It might even rock the wheat a little bit, but it doesn't blow it away. And John the Baptist is saying the same way the harvester does that, that's what Jesus is doing with people. So he's allowing winds to blow through his harvest, not to harm it, but to reveal it. Um, the Bible is very clear that not everybody that's in the fold is truly in faith of believing in Jesus. Some people are here for different reasons and different motives, and, and we're grateful that you come, like even if it's not for the best reasons, because we just want you in the door. But the idea is that over time, you will actually be born again and actually have a loving faith relationship with Jesus as Lord. But the thing that tests that are wins. The Lord allows wins because if, if you are not rooted in Christ, uh, it's actually important that, that that's shown and that those people who are not born again, those people who are not following Jesus as Lord's, the winds will actually blow them away, leaving only the harvest who's, who, who truly is rooted in Christ. And the rooted phrase is important because the purpose of root is it keeps you steady. It keeps you connected despite the winds in, in the day. So as a church, I don't want to scare us with this information, but it's very important that we're educated and aware that this is a thing and it's actually biblical. The Bible says there's going to be a great falling away in the last days. And, and it's important for us to know that, again, not to fear, but to really be sober and to be prepared and to get a stance that's going to be able to be ready for the opposition and the winds that are going to come. It's important to get the proper stance that's going to give you some stability. And we're trying to build that in Nashville life. So we're, t we're, we're talking about different winds each month so that we can form the proper stance to withstand the winds of our day. This month is a new wind, and for the month of May... Uh, we are going to talk about the wind of change. The wind of change. 
Uh, change is inevitable. We all experience it. I don't care if it's on a yearly basis, a monthly basis, weekly basis, even during a day, there's change that happens. And this is the, a unique wind. This is the first wind of our series that's not innately bad. Um, all the other ones, we talk about abandonment. I mean, that's negative. Offense is negative. Negative things. But change isn't necessarily bad. There's good changes and there's bad changes. But regardless, it's a part of life. And the Bible lets us know that it is always going to be the case. There's a famous passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 through 8. I read this earlier this year uh, for a different context, but I'm going to read it again, and we're going to see what God is saying to us in, in this week. Uh, verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for purpose, sorry, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. So needless to say, there's uh, a lot of changes that we can expect during our life. One minute, it'll be time to do this, and the next minute, it's time to do that. One day, it's time to do this. The next day, it's time to do that. One year, you're doing this, and the next year, it's time to do something else. Human life has been designed for change, but I chose it as a wind is because I believe that it serves a purpose from a harvester's standpoint, and I think it's important for us to understand how Jesus uh, uses change to his advantage as he's gathering his harvest. What change does is change reveals the quality of our faith. Change reveals the quality of our faith. Many of us, if not all of us, have been to a wedding before. Uh, many of us in here are actually married. And if they gave traditional vows, you heard a period of time where they started to refer to extreme changes that could happen within the marriage. And the idea is that we are committing a vow to each other despite these changes that could very well happen. For instance, sickness. One of the spouses, God forbid, could get sick, or maybe both of them get sick, or maybe one of them loses their job and their income gets cut in half, or maybe both of them lose their job and they find themselves kind of poor for a while, or maybe both of them get a great promotion and they're, they're rich and having a time of abundance. Marriage is saying that during your time together, 
all of these changes could very well happen. And the idea is that we're making a commitment to love each other through all of these changes, despite all these changes, which is what we call unconditional love. It means despite the conditions, the love will be there. Well, that same unconditional love that makes a marriage work is the same unconditional love and the same unconditional faith that will make a relationship with Jesus work. Some of you guys might not know this, but there's tons of parallels that the Bible uses comparing our relationship with Jesus to a marriage. He actually calls us his bride. And he's the groom. So there's a marriage that's happening. And it's important for us to know that in order for that marriage to work, just like the marriage that you have between a man and a woman, marriage is built for unconditional love and unconditional faith. But the thing about unconditional things is you don't know if it's really unconditional until the conditions change. We can say our love is conditional all day long. But when the conditions change, that reveals if that is the fact or not. So when conditions change, that is the proof that our love and our faith is unconditional. So Jesus uses this to his advantage, and he allows us to go through all these changes that he described in Ecclesiastes 3, and he allows your life to experience constant change because it shows if the love that you have for him is conditional to the season or if, it is or if it's unconditional. And the only way to know that is if this conditions change which is why he allows you to experience him in the springtime where the days are longer and it's getting warmer and the flowers are blooming and everybody's kind of generally in a better mood. And then he also wants to experience you in the winter where it's dark once you get out of work at 4.30 and it's cold and there's a lot less activity on the group text of things to do with your friends. And he, it's important that you experience him in the various conditions of your life so that you can experience unconditional love. I'm telling you, unconditional love is not unconditional until the conditions change. And the Lord knows this. Change is a test. I believe that change is a test. There have been a lot of changes in our life, and the things that we are unconditional towards have been able to sustain through those changes. This community has gone through a lot of change. In the past 10 years, but especially the past two, the biggest thing was like literally the, the pastor changed. My dad was founding pastor for all these years, eight, and then I become pastor. And though we're a part of the same family and we have the same name, we're different. That's a change. We moved from a big 1,800-seater room to a smaller first floor of a new church. That's ours, and it's great, but it's smaller. That's a change. People used to be able to get in and out of our church without seeing anybody if they wanted to. You can't do that anymore. There's not a dark corner balcony that you can... <laughs> Which a lot of us love, let's be honest. It's a change. Uh, we're about to experience another change. We're going to go to a, a smaller space like this to a bigger space soon upstairs. That's going to be a change. We meet in the mornings now. That's a change. 
It's changed our whole flow of the way we do Sundays. Used to get coffee and brunch and a nap and then go to church. It's none of that anymore. It's a change. So there's good changes. There's bad changes, but regardless, it's change. And the reason why we're going to focus on change this month is because we need to learn how to change with God. Despite the changes, God wants to be a constant in our lives. I'm gonna, I got ahead of myself, but let, let's, let's read Luke 14, 17 through 20. Luke, 7, Luke 14, sorry. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. He says, and then he said to him, Listen to this story. I love this story. It says, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. Verse 18, but they with all, sorry, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have a married wife, and therefore I cannot come. The scripture goes on to say the master, the person that was inviting all these people, got angry because they were preoccupied with uh, these changes that were happening in their lives that's a change if you just bought a piece of land that comes with a whole new set of responsibilities you have a whole new schedule if you bought five oxen they come with needs if you just got married she comes with needs and all of these things are changes to your life but what happens is despite these changes that wasn't the issue. The master didn't have an issue that they, ha they were experiencing changes. The master was angry because these changes were now distractions and reasons why they couldn't come to him when he called. The issue was not that you have changes in your life. The issue comes when these changes become reasons to separate you from what Jesus is inviting you to and wanting you to be a part of. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I love this scripture. This is one of my life scriptures, and I've actually seen fruit of this scripture happen in my life. When I've sought the kingdom first, and I'm not the only one. Our church has really let this be a life verse for so many members. I've seen so many members actually put this scripture to use and guys in the in true god fashion it works god never lies all of his promises he will be good to fulfill them and every single person i haven't seen a single person yet in my life who has sought the kingdom first and his righteousness and didn't see some great things added to their life because they put the Lord first. And the Lord says, if you take care of my business and you prioritize mine, I will take care of yours and I'll prioritize yours. And it's amazing. Hallelujah. But what happens is they seek the kingdom first. And once these things are added, I wish I didn't have to say this, but unfortunately, many people once things are added to their life, which is change, addition to your life, even if they're good things, it's change. And so often, the very thing that they were 
the, the thing that they were doing that allowed all of these things to be added, once they're added, they stop doing the first thing that got them the blessings. I've seen people fast and pray and serve and evangelize and just trusting that the Lord's going to, you know, bring me that spouse. I just know he's going to do it. And guess what? God does it. He brings it. And then now that they're married, it's like, well, I guess I just can't really, I can't really tell people about Jesus anymore. Or I can't really attend church anymore. It's like that's the very blessing that came out of seeking the kingdom. And then you get the blessing and all of a sudden, you are on the list of people who have excuses to not really be a part of what you were so a part of before. And don't get me wrong. I know that the changes are real. Like the Lord tells us even in Scripture that when new things happen in our life and when new things are added to our life, it's more responsibility. The Bible says too much is given, much is required. So I understand that it's an adjustment. Now that you've got that business that you were praying for and you've got 10 employees now, I understand that that really changes things. But we cannot let the additional change that the Lord brings to our life that we've been believing God for turn into the reason that we're no longer engaged with the kingdom that we were so adamant about when we had none of those things. I've seen it so often. We are so much better at seeking God when we're broke when we're in a crisis, when we're really wanting that person to be healed, that family member, all of a sudden, front row prayer room, fasting, serving, giving your all because you're really wanting the Lord to do something. But then he does what you want him to do. And the drive to seek his kingdom all of a sudden goes down so fast. And the Lord's like, I want to bless you, but don't let our blessings become the very thing that separates you from the blesser. We've got tons of people with blessings and are so distant from the blesser. And I think this is a real thing. Change, we have to be careful that the winds of change, even the positive change, because your prayer being answered will change your life. But don't let that change change what shouldn't be changed. How, that's the question, how do we experience inevitable change without changing the parts that shouldn't change? That's kind of the question. How do we experience change without the things that shouldn't change changing? Right? It's kind of confusing, but I pray that it's not. Y'all get it. Because certain things shouldn't be seasonal. Your devotion to the Lord should not be seasoned. The Lord is not calling you to a season of disobedience. He's not calling you to a season of apathy. Now, will things look different when you have three little kids? Absolutely. I'm not saying that things shouldn't adjust, but it's one thing to adjust. It's another thing to throw it to the back burner, and it's no longer your, your Lord anymore. You can't let change and even blessings become idols. Idolatry can't be a season. You know, I'm really being called to a season of idolatry. I was praying and I was reading my devotional. I just think he really is calling me, you know, to this deep season of, you know, not putting him first. It doesn't exist. Not, certain things are not seasonal. 
your devotion to the Great Commission, your obedience to Jesus, you being on fire, your fire should not be seasonal. And though it is, it's not supposed to be. And I want to make sure we know that while some things are supposed to change, there should be certain constants in our lives. The key to withstanding the winds of change is having a constant. The key to withstanding the winds of change is to have a constant. That constant will serve as what we call an anchor or a root or a solid rock. All the different metaphors, uh, firm foundation, you know, these are the things that keep us stable and steady despite all of the inevitable changes that are going to come in our lives. I personally, if you're looking for a constant in your life, if you're looking for something to hold on to that's going to be able to stand firm in the midst of all of the changes that are bound to happen in your life, I would, I have to be honest and tell you that I don't think there's a single thing that is constant in this world, both in heaven and earth, besides Jesus Christ. I believe he is has always been and will always be the only constant that you have available to you. There is no other, I'm telling you, some of y'all are thinking of things, well, you know, gravity, that's constant. No, that can change. The Lord could snap his fingers and change the law of gravity if he wanted. Everything you know can change. Everything you know is subject to change. Every, even the most constant things are subject to change. The only thing that is not subjected to change is Jesus Christ and scriptures prove it. Hebrews 13 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same. Everyone say, same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means. Everyone say, by no means. By no means pass away. There is literally nothing in heaven, in earth, in any galaxy, in any realm of reality that can change Jesus and that can change his word. So if you're looking for a source of stability in the midst of all of these crazy changes that are happening in your life, both good and bad, you will not find a greater constant or a constant at all. There's no greater. It's either a constant or it's not. There's no greater constant. Like, the only constant is Jesus. He's the only unwavering entity or existence that you will ever know. Therefore, we must hold fast to him. We must fix. The Bible says to fix your eyes on him. It's not enough to just look at him. you got to fix your gaze on him. It's got to be a con- constant focus. There's nothing in Scripture that says glance at Jesus. You gotta fix your eyes on him. You've gotta be so stubborn about it. You've gotta be so serious about it because that will be your only source of stability in a world and a life full of change. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hold fast. That means to hold tight. 
You can't have a loose grip on the sound words, the sound doctrine that was established by the prophets and the apostles and scripture. He says, hold fast. And you only tell somebody to hold tight when it's about to get bumpy. You know, you're, if you're in a parked car, you don't need to put your seatbelt on. It's when the car starts moving that you need to put your seatbelt on. Because we're going to have a red light, we're going to have a yellow light, we're going to turn left, then we're going to turn right, we're going to hit that pothole, and there's a lot of potholes right now in Nashville. We're going to, there's going to be a lot of movement, so let's, hold, let's, let's fasten our seatbelt for the movement and the change that we're going to experience going from here to the grocery store, or going here to the airport, or when you're in an airplane. You know, we're about to take off, put your seatbelt on. We're about to decline. We're about to hit some turbulence. we got to put the sign back on because we're about to experience some change. There's going to be some rocking. So, so put that seatbelt on so you can stand stable and firm in the midst of all this change. So anytime where you see the Lord or the word of God saying hold fast to something, he's saying you guys are going to experience a lot of changes. There's going to be financial changes. There's going to be location changes. There's going to be relationship changes. There's going to be physical changes in your body. You're going to put on weight. You're going to lose weight. You're going to get a cold. Then All these changes are going to happen. So hold fast to me, the sound doctrine of God's word, so you can be stable in the midst of all of these challenges and not be tossed to and fro like everybody else in the world. And unfortunately, like people in the church, which is why this, the church is not exempt from these winds. The Lord allows these winds to sweep through us to see who's got a firm grip on Jesus and who's just kind of casually dangling from Jesus. A casual <laughs> grip will not do it. You got, it's got to be an intentional grip, a fast hold. I promise you, anything less, you will be gone with the wind. I can promise you that. Anything less than a firm grip is just like the analogy that John the Baptist, the winds will prove too strong. And we don't want that to happen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. It starts, you know, it sets it up really great, but I want to jump to 15. 2 Thessalonians 2, 15. It says, therefore, brethren, stand fast. There goes that fast word again. That means tight. Stand firm. Plant your feet. Bend your knees. And, and form a stance that's going to be ready for when wind hits you. Think about it, guys. If y'all were standing firm and someone said, okay, guys, it's going to firm winds are about to go, all of us would go, we would find something to hold on to, we would all bend our knees, and we would get ready. That's the stance that the Lord is telling us as the church to have during these times. We can't just be like, like it's got to be, boom, ready. Anything less, I'm telling you, those, these winds, they're not stopping for anybody. Again, we're not afraid, but we must take heed when the word is saying stand fast and hold. Okay, let, let me keep going. I, I, I was, I, there's so much more. Stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. I want to talk about traditions very quickly because oftentimes in our generation, particularly younger people, like traditions... We're very quick to associate this with just immediately like Pharisees and ungodliness. And it's like, oh, no tradition. Guys, not all traditions are bad. Traditions are like everything else. 
Anything that becomes an idol over God is corrupt. So traditions are the same category as food and sleep and singing and all these things. Like anything that gets that's placed above God is wrong. But traditions, the purpose of traditions, let's just forget about uh, the spiritual side right now. The purpose of traditions, let's say family traditions. The idea of establishing traditions is we want there to be some consistency in our family throughout generations. Traditions are meant to withstand change from generation to generation. So the idea is, like, let, me, let me start this tradition so that when I'm dead and I'm gone, and four generations later, the Love family can still be doing this. It's meant to set a constant throughout all the changes of generations, all the changes of culture. Traditions are built, and the purpose of traditions is to withstand change, to endure through change. And we understand this with our family. There's a lot of family traditions. There's a lot of cultural traditions. But the thing about it is, is guys, and there is the reason why traditions get a bad rap, is because as awesome as some of your family traditions might be or your cultural traditions might be, the truth of the matter is, according to Scripture, is when you're born again, you're born into a new family. And traditions only become an issue where my love or Winans traditions starts to trump and override the kingdom traditions. That's when this gets bad. We, I am a love, I'm a proud love. And there's a, there's a tradition that comes with it. There's kind of a, a love way. But the truth is, when I was born again, I was born into a new family. And while there are some traditions of my natural family, I have to now start to adopt kingdom traditions like gathering and worshiping, like baptism, like taking communion. These are things that make, that bring a constant thread from generation to generation. I think it's wonderful when we take communion or, we, or when we, we baptize or when we help the poor or we tithe and give. These are things that, that connect us to the early church. And these traditions will keep us stable in the midst of all the changes of culture. Guys, I'm telling you, culture is coming for the church. Culture, if you are married to culture, the traditions of the kingdom will be history for you. They are coming one by one. They want culture, the spirit of the world wants to override kingdom traditions. So the scripture says to stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle, because what these traditions are going to do, they're going to allow the church of 2022 to be consistent with the church of year three and the church of year 10. There are certain things that aren't supposed to change. There are certain things that aren't supposed to change, but if we don't recognize what those patterns are and what those traditions are will waver and we'll find ourselves detouring to where we're nothing like the church that Jesus is coming back for. And this is why the word of God is so great. It never changes. I love that we have the same Bible. And some of us need to be, I don't know, just, I don't want to cause fights. I love various translations, but the purpose of the word is to establish consistency. So, like, just make sure that it's true to the original meaning of what was, you know, written. 
when it comes to, you know, some very liberal uh, translations. Like, the word is meant to offer a constant rock so that the church of 2022 can be in the same alignment and the same assignment and the same spirit of what Jesus planted so long ago. Let's not make Jesus come back and go, what was this is not what I this is not what I planted. <laughs> this is not what I said. And the way that we prevent that from happening is being students of the word. Some of us are better students of culture than we are of scripture. Some of us spend more time analyzing culture than we are analyzing the word of God. Some of us are better students of the trends of the day and the philosophies of the day and the remedies given by the word today and the ideals of the day, ideologies of the day, than we are of the scriptures. And guys, that's not how we stay constant. We will find ourselves being blown like this prophecy says, blown away. Blown away with these winds. Am I making sense? Okay. Uh, I think it's important that we identify what are our non-negotiables? We need to identify, and I say we as a church, but like, I mean, even you as an individual, like, what are the principles? Principles are so important. It's important that we are people of principle. Principles, um, the definition of principles is a comprehensive and fundamental law, doctrine, or assumption. And again, principles are meant to to be upheld and to, to consistently stand through all kinds of change. That's the point of principles. Principles is what keeps you from kind of changing your thoughts and beliefs every single day. Because your emotions go up and down, culture changes, there's new ideas. But if you're a person of principle, you will find yourself being solid in the midst of all the change. And I think every individual has to ask himself, what are my principles? For instance, let's say... Let's say something that's not spiritual. Uh, let's say fitness. Let's say fitness is a principle. If fitness is a principle for you, you will find yourself being faithful to it, honestly, no matter what. If you get hired that day, a person whose principle is fitness in the gym, when they get hired that day, they're still at the gym that morning or that night or whenever they go. If they get fired that day, they're at the gym. If they get married that week, they're at the gym. If they get divorced that week, they're at the gym. If it's hot that day, they're at the gym. If it's cold that day, they're there. If it's raining, shine. That's what you call, if that's you out there and you are, that's a principle for you. Basically, you've established that as no matter what, that's what I do. That's what I do. We have to ask ourselves, what are the constants that no matter if it's a good day or a bad day, it's happening. For some of us, it's different things. You know, for some of us, eating isn't even a constant. It's not for me. Even on a bad day, I'm eating. For some of you guys, if it's a bad day, I'm not eating. I don't have an appetite. That's not me. For some of us... You know, there's different things. All of us have different things that are happening no matter what. I would hope something is like brushing your teeth is like, yeah. 
app. You know, that's always happening, right? I hope. You know, there's different things that, that are just happening. No matter what, I'm doing it. Um, everybody has different principles, different constants in their lives. Uh, I believe as Christians we should ask ourselves certain things like, is there ever a season in your life where reading your Bible isn't in the picture? If that's the case, maybe this isn't a principal thing. Maybe scripture reading hasn't become a principal thing in your life. Is there ever a change that can happen in your life where we're going to church is just not the thing to do? If that's the case, if there's a scenario that can pull you away from the assembly, then maybe this isn't a principal thing. Is there a condition where we're sharing the gospel and, and being active and finding people to connect to the Lord isn't really part of your reality? If that's the case, then it's not a principal thing to you. It's a thing that you think is good. There's a lot of things that we think. Like, I think working out is good, but it's not principal. I don't do it sometimes. But when it comes to things that are principal, it can't just be something that you think is good. It's got to be something that no matter what, Rain or shine. My uncle always runs eight miles a day, and he always Instagrams about it. I think it's like his accountability. <laughs> He's like, I did it today. I did it today. And like, if he misses a day, all the people are like, you have, did you do it? Did you do it? But like, if it's snowing, he's doing it. The only thing that changes now, sometimes he might do it inside. See how I said adjusting? It could look different. Like, he, he's not always running eight miles outside. Sometimes he's on the treadmill. If it's snowing, I think it's, he said if it's under 17 degrees, that's when he does a treadmill. But everything above, like, he's got, my point is, so that's, that shows adjustments can happen, but it's still happening. It might not always look the same. I'm not saying that your married life with four kids is supposed to look exactly like it looked when you were single. But God forbid we built a culture in this church at the minute that you're saved, you can't win dis make disciples anymore. I mean, not saved, married. You can't make disciples anymore. We can't build a culture that sends a message that, that once you have that kid, you can't be involved in the kingdom. Like, what kind of message is that going to send to your kid? I can serve God as long as I have nobody else in my life. We can't, guys, these are the messages that we'll send if we're not careful. I praise God for the families that are at our church and showing that you can be a husband, you can be a wife, you can be a mom, you can be a dad, and still engage in the kingdom of God. God bless you, and we need you. Because otherwise, we're going to send a bad message in this church. So I honor you. You know who you are. you got to ask yourself, I can't answer these questions for you. What are the principles in my life? What are the things that are constant? And if it's not Jesus, if it's not the things of Jesus, and I don't just mean the affections of Jesus. Jesus is really uh, particular. He doesn't really offer himself in compartments. You kind of have to take all of him, or he's like, we're not, we're not friends. <laughs> Like, literally, we're not friends. Like, he goes, scripture, there's, no, there's, there's a scripture that says, unless you're helping me gather the sheep, you're actually helping the enemy scatter the sheep. Like, he leaves so little room for, he leaves no room for neutral. We can say we love Jesus all day long, but until we're about his cause, 
and we're about his priorities and his passions, and we don't like what he doesn't like, and we like what he likes, he doesn't recognize the friendship. I'm telling you, he doesn't. He just doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he just, he, he just, he doesn't play around. <laughs> Jesus is not for games. He says, there's coming a day, and that day is here where people must worship me in spirit and truth. Anything else, he just sees as chaff. And he goes, yeah, all I got to do is change the season, and they'll be out. <sighs> Some of it, all I got to do is make it a little bit cold. All I got to do is move them five minutes away than where they are right now. There are things that if we're not careful, small changes can blow us away. So we must hold on to the constant and build on that constant. And for this church, we have experienced changes. We will continue to experience change. I can promise you change. And it won't be vain changes. We want to be effective at building the kingdom of God. We have one vision at Nashville Life. And despite all the changes that I know will happen during the life of our church, there's one thing that I can promise will be a constant as long as God is empowering us, and that is our vision to follow Jesus and build leaders. This right here, I guarantee you, will be a constant. So whether we're meeting in the morning, at night, whether we're meeting in a shack or in a beautiful church, whether we're online, whether we are whatever, you name it, whether we got to do underground churches and, and whatever, we will be doing this. There will be changes. There will be changes in people on the team, people on staff. Like All these sort of things will happen. But despite the changes, we will be committed to follow Jesus and build leaders. And by the way, the changes that we'll do as a church, I can guarantee you, I don't want to change anything unless it's going to help us do this better. Trust me. You want a church that's willing to change a few things if it means we're going to be more effective. And I, I, I commit to be one of those pastors that if we find there's a better way to make an impact of following Jesus and building leaders, we'll, we'll shift. Now, we'll try to shift gracefully. We don't want you getting whiplash. And that's where, you know, my team will come in. There's sometimes I'll have, you know, ideas. And I'm like, how can we execute this? They're like, oh, Alvin, that's going to be a disaster. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> but I still, we still want to do it, but let's just find a better way to do it so that you guys, you know, are, you know, okay. But these are the constants, guys. This is how we're choosing to be stable in the midst of, of ever-changing society. This is how, how are you committing to stay constant? I can tell you how we are as a church is to make everything we do about this. That's our constant. That's our non-negotiable. If it doesn't fit with this vision, I don't care how nice of an idea it is, we're not married to it. If it doesn't feed this, it might not happen. But if it does, let's go. You have to ask yourself as an individual, as a husband, as a wife, as a family, what are the, how are we going to stay, what are the constants in our lives that's going to keep us stable and anchored through all the change that's going to happen? I can't answer that for you. That's between you and the Lord. But I think we should pray, and I, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to make it clear what these constants should be and how to anchor yourself in an ever-changing life.
So, Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being a constant in our lives. Thank you, God, for providing us uh, sound doctrine, providing for us traditions, providing for us patterns that have been set in Scripture for us to learn and submit to and hold fast to in a time where there's so much change happening in our lives. Lord, some of these changes are good. You're blessing us with, with children that we didn't think we can have. You're blessing us with spouses that we didn't think we would get. You're blessing us with businesses that we didn't think would actually happen. You're blessing us with so many blessings. But, Lord, we pray that we will have an anchor to where those changes won't cause us to blow, blow away. Lord, some of us are experiencing negative changes. There's, there's deaths in our family and there's, there's losses and our budgets are having to change and we're experiencing sickness and we're experiencing all types of unfortunate changes. God, we pray that you give us an anchor where there's un, those unexpected misfortunes won't rock us away from our love for you. Lord, so whether it's a positive change or a negative change, Lord, we want to be anchored so that we can remain stable in the midst of all the changes that we know are to come. God, I pray, Lord, that you give us the wisdom and the determination to allow certain things to not change. Lord, with all the changes, Lord, let us let our devotion for you, let our obedience to your word, let our passion for the lost, let our commitment to win souls and make disciples let this be on the list of things that don't change. Lord, let our commitment to the growth of your kingdom and to the making of disciples and to the honoring of your word and the loving of your presence, Lord, let these things be things that are constants. Lord, we don't want to have a seasonal devotion to you. We don't want to have a seasonal or a conditional commitment to your kingdom. We don't want to have a conditional drive for, for, for making disciples and seeing people come into the knowledge of Jesus. Lord, give us the wisdom to make the adjustments that we need to make through the changes that happen in our lives with, without tampering with and without bothering the constants. Lord, you're the only one who can help us do this. So we trust you. We repent if our devotion to you has been conditional. We repent, Lord, if our, our fire for, for your word and for, for your people has been conditional. Lord, as the seasons change and as conditions change, Lord, remind us of this word so that we can be stable. God, and as we continue to follow Jesus and build leaders, God, we part of that is always inviting people to the love of Jesus. And as I pray, God, I pray, Lord, that anybody in the audience right now, anybody who's watching online right now, who is ready for some stability in their lives. Lord, I believe there are people here who are who are fed up of, of so many things changing. They're looking for something to anchor them. They're looking for someone to hold them steady in the midst of all of the changes. Lord, you are that gift of stability. You are 
that constant. You are the same. You never change. God, so I pray, Lord, that those in the audience who are ready to stand on a solid rock that's not always wavering and getting out of the quicksand and getting into something that will hold them firm on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all throughout the week and for the rest of their lives, God, you're so, you're so stable where you can keep us steady for the rest of our lives. God, and I just have a vision of people stepping into your stability and, Lord, standing firm, and I just see a vision of people being able to withstand changes that, that will, will, will cause people to wonder how in the world are they so consistent. What's ha- look what's happening in our government. Look what's happening with our economy. Look what's happening. And how, how are they still consistent in their, in their joy and in their, in their, in their faith? And the way they love their families, the way they love their spouse, the way they, the way they, how is this happening? And I just have a vision of of people who are going to receive Jesus today, having opportunities to tell people, well, I learned on May 1st that the only constant is Jesus. He's the only constant, and I made him my constant. And I made his word my constant. And I made his his agenda, his kingdom, his priorities, I made them my constants. And that's how I've been able to sustain and stay stable. Emotionally, I'm stable. Financially, I'm stable. Mentally, I'm stable. Faith-wise, I'm stable. Spiritually, I'm stable. And yes, all these crazy things have happened. And, you know, this happened that was bad. And this happened that was good. But Jesus is keeping me stable. I believe that's the future that God has for, for, for people here today. So I thank you, God, for inviting us to a stable future that is constant. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask us all to stand, and we're going to close out. But I would love for all of us to address God together. There's going to be people who've never prayed this, people who've prayed this every week. But I want us all to do it together. We're going to invite Jesus, the solid rock, the unchanging hand. We're going to invite him into our lives, and then we're going to lean on him and watch him sustain us through all of the turbulence of life. So repeat after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, I want to hear stable people who are rooted in God to praise Him with confidence, with boldness, with joy, with hope, with passion. Hallelujah. We are stable in you, God. You are a constant, God. You are never changing. God, you keep us steady. You hold us down, God. We love you, Jesus. Continue 
continue to lead us. Give us endurance. Give us faithfulness. Give us an unconditional faith and love for you. Thank you, God. He's doing it. I know he's doing it. I don't know your names, but I know he's doing it. If you would like to respond to this message and respond to receiving Jesus, if you would like to let us know that I said yes to the Lord today and that I'm making him my Lord, we would love for you to just let us know. You can let us know two ways. One is our prayer team is going to be here, so when we dismiss, we won't keep you long, but come down. Let us know. Let us pray a prayer for you. Um, also, you can text us uh, at 77411. Text the word belong, and it has a way where you can tell us you said yes to Jesus, and we'll actually send you a little content with scriptures that will encourage you. Uh, we would love for you to do that. We have next steps. I'm leading next steps today, so third floor, right after we dismiss, I'm going straight up, and we're going to have a great uh, first step, next steps with you. anybody who wants to come. And that's just to learn more about the church. You're not committing to the church. You're just coming to hear what we're about, and then you can go home and pray about it and think if you want to take a next step with us. We would love for you to get involved and become friends with our church on a deeper level. So we're about to do that. And then lastly, uh, if you would like to give, financially give, thank you in advance. You can go online. You can text Nashville Life to 77411. Like we said earlier, all giving is just appreciated, and it's, it's unto the Lord. We also have our finance team in the back. They've got buckets. They can serve you as you walk out. And uh, just enjoy the rest of the afternoon. I love you. I believe in you. I'm excited for a stable summer, uh, a stable spring, a stable rest of our lives um, because of this, this month that we focus on change. So come back, tell your friends, and let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for supporting us throughout all the changes. Lord, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for being faithful to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this word would go into our hearts so it can change the way that we make decisions. It can change the way we process information. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that not only are we blessed by this word, but those who we know will be blessed as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great afternoon. Love you.